I'm Keith Baker, creator of Eberron, and you're listening to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This week, Morris, Peter, and Jessica talk about starting and running a gaming cafe. In the news, BackerKid is launching a crowdfunding service, D&D streamers accused of abuse and harassment of freelancers, the Diana Jones Award finalists have been announced, and more, plus a brand new sketch about running human resources for a dungeon. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. This podcast is sponsored by Hudson the Puppy. Hudson, for all your sitting, fetching, spinning, paw giving, midnight barking and bottom sniffing needs. What I want to know is, how does a puppy manage to afford to sponsor a podcast? And how does it even know what a podcast is? For that matter, what is a podcast? Ah, uh, oh, never mind. All the tabletop roleplay news We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, a.k.a. Morris, or Morris, a.k.a. Russ, and with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild Roleplayers. Russ, as ever, I am delighted to be here. And here with us today, definitely not from the Crab Nebula, but from another <laughs> much more pleasantly named Nebula, it is one, it's the only, it's... It's me, Jessica, from EN Publishing, who have been described on the internet as a lively addition to the podcast. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, I, it's true. Is yeah, it a compliment? I don't think we can disagree with said. that. It's been so, said on the internet, therefore it is true. Do you want to do the awfully cheerful question? Ah, yes, we do. We have got an awfully cheerful question this week. And our awfully cheerful question is yes. from yes. a person uh, good. called... I'm on tenterhooks. I can tell. Oh, the mouthful pacing. <laughs> <laughs> do you need a drum roll? Is that what you're waiting for? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's from... We mistimed that. Ian from the internet. Yes, Ian yeah. from the internet. <laughs> and Ian would like to know yes. if you weren't in your current job, what else might you be doing? Alternatively, what is your dream job in TTRPG land? So that's two questions. So who'd like to go first? Yeah, do you want to go first, Peter? Yeah, well, I'm quite, quite happy in my. My main job. It's no, but it's if you weren't in your current job, he says. Oh, well, I don't know. Um, tricky one. Uh, it, I, I've actually really only just started it within the past couple of years. So previously, I was doing stuff like selling water treatment for the prevention and cure of Legionnaires' disease. So what I do now is sort of similar, but quite different. And I enjoy it. So, yeah. And as for TTRPG jobs, uh, I publish my own games. Well, I publish game supplements for a game system I very much enjoy. So I think I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy, really. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Jess? Well, I started off in working in games because uh, hmm. I opened a board game cafe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I quit my, my kind of day job, which I worked in events management back in 2016. And ever since then have been kind of full time in the games industry. And it started oh. out working in a board game cafe, which was awesome. I absolutely loved it. Uh, oh. that was kind of my, my, my dream kind of job and things. 
But as many people that own gaming stores know, it's not very profitable. The only way we could make our business model work would have been via worker exploitation, which mm. I didn't really want to do. So we decided to close it down before we had to um, do that. Because just my humble yeah. opinion, I think if you have to exploit your workers and pay them a low wage and not pay them holiday and stuff like that, should you be in business? Mm. Mm. It didn't really well, seem... F- yeah. That's fair. something I'm definitely nodding along with because the industry I'm currently working in basically runs on volunteers and volunteer labour. So, yeah. Um, well, 100% yeah. agree. Yeah. But yeah, uh, so that's what I was doing. So I would love to do that. So if, uh, in theory, financially, I didn't need to take it, because if I didn't need to mm. take a salary for it, um, I could probably do that and that would be fine. Mm. But, you know, unfortunately, I'm not a millionaire, so I do need, <laughs> do need to be paid for the things I do. Uh, but yeah, so that would be something that I would love to do. So it was Coffee and Dice in Bournemouth, um, and I absolutely love that place. Um, and so that would be like kind of my dream thing I do. But I really love uh, my job that I do now because actually working here at EM Publishing, I had, when I was being offered the job to come back, um, oh. I actually had a job I was in that I did really like in the games oh. industry and I yeah. had another job offer from somebody else and they were all three really amazing jobs at three really great companies. And I picked this actually, one. I, I, I actually gave you a, a referral for the job you were applying for, a very, very, very good reference. Yes, they they told me they said that you said they said would you hire Jessica again? You said yes. I've actually tr- I'm trying to hire her right now. Yeah, which I suppose is a really good reference, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, because I worked PM publishing for two years part time whilst I was working for other companies as well, and then I went away to another company that could offer me full time work. And then when EM publishing were in a place after level up where you could have me full time, you kind of made the offer there. But yeah, so I guess working at EM publishing is my dream kind of TTRPG job because I had three kind of different offers and chose this one so mm. there oh. you go we is the best it, i i mean it is for me really because i'm i think i'm quite a niche part in the gaming industry because i don't want to be like a creative i don't want to be a writer or an artist mm. in tabletop rpgs which most people that want to be in tabletop rpgs do they want to to mm. do that sort of thing mm. but i really like my job of making games happen so doing all the stuff behind the scenes and you know, the logistics, the operations and that side of things, making making it happen. Mm. Um, I get a lot of satisfaction out of doing that. And it's a role that's desperately needed in companies. Yes, mm. it's yes. absolutely right. Yeah. All right. So me, if I wasn't in my current job, what else might I be? I'm going to, like, take that as what, what would my dream job be? So it's not one I'm qualified for. Mm-hmm. But it's one that I'd like to be qualified for. Mm-hmm. I would be an astronaut. If I could, and I, I was qualified to do that. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think an astronaut yeah. is like the best job anyone can possibly have. And it's like the best calling in life is to be an astronaut. There's yeah. nothing better. Yeah. Nothing better. Yeah, so yeah, so, so that would that, mm. be mine. Um, if I could, I'd go into space yeah. and I'd be an astronaut. Mm. Um, I am definitely not qualified to do that. I have had no astronaut training whatsoever. Yeah. I have not, I've not even been able to fly a plane or... Definitely like PhDs. I'm not a scientist. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> so I, uh, I, I suspect that the, the odds on my becoming an astronaut are slim. Slim. But, yeah. you know, there's always that tiny corner of my brain that hopes. Yeah, well, absolutely. Space tourism, tourism is becoming more of a thing. So, you know, maybe that. Yeah, maybe that. <laughs> maybe that. Uh, I, can, I can join William Shatner on a suborbital flight or something. You can, you can, but dream. But what yeah. about your dream job in tabletop RPGs? I think I am kind of doing it. Are you sure you wouldn't like to work for Wizards of the Coast? So I don't want to work for someone else at all. No, 
I, you know, well, I, I, I like, I like what I do very much. I like running a small business. I like the challenges mm. involved and the stresses involved, which maybe are, are quite high sometimes. But I like the challenges involved in running a small business. I like the yeah. atmosphere of running a small business. Mm. I like the kind of culture around running a small business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Medium and large are very different places to work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the thought of working in a large office in a large company doesn't appeal to me in the slightest. I tried it. I did like it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, you know, running running a small game company and um, news outlet on the internet is... I'm really happy with it. Mm. Very happy with it. Well, it might be a small games company, but the the news outlet is quite large. Well, compared <laughs> compared to like mainstream news outlets, I mean, you know, oh, okay. we're not the BBC. It's, it's not even a blip, is it? But um, I suppose in TTRPG spaces, it is, yeah. but um, ah, yeah. the nature of TTRPG, where it's very big and very very small at, the same, at the same time, yeah, yeah. a yeah. niche yeah. within a niche, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, because six thousand yeah. people is a lot of people. It's a huge. It's a huge number of people. Mm. Yeah, but like, but on the other hand, it's like, you know, it's also a vanishingly small number. But yeah, 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 yeah. So we're talking about those are rookie numbers. Woo-hoo. So we're talking about level up backers there. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was yes. a very good, awfully cheerful question. I think. Yeah, well, I like that awfully cheerful question. And Thank so you. we will send Ian from the internet a copy of the awfully cheerful engine. So we're send it, yeah. So we're going to send it to the internet. Yes. Ian at the internet. Yes. Or oh, no. uh, that, that, that's sure to get to him. That's as how, an that's alternative, how Ian could contact us and tell what? us their address. Uh, is another option. And we will send it straight out. And next week we will choose somebody else's awfully cheerful question, which you can mm. get to us by either emailing us or hashtagging us, hashtag awfully cheerful question on the internets, especially Twitter, but other yeah. internets if you wish. Yeah, we'll have a look. And we had a few submissions for awfully cheerful questions this week. So thank you very much for sending them in. And please continue to do so. Mm. We're looking forward to our first TikTok submission. Yeah, I haven't had one yet. Yeah. That oh, would be you exciting. Never know. That will yeah. be a day to remember. It will. Oh yeah. I'll write it in my diary. Shall yeah. we yes. talk about the news? Let's do that. Oh. Let's do that. Now, do you want to start negative or do you want to start positive? Negative, because that's all right. You want to get yeah. it out of the way? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll I'll talk about it if you like. Uh, so Go on, then. if you are on Twitter and part of the tabletop RPG community on Twitter, you've probably seen um, a lot of things about this. Um, but in a nutshell, uh, to summarize it, um, so Satine Phoenix and her husband and business partner Jameson Stone, they've been accused of like really unprofessional behavior, like abusive things, harassment. And these accusations have come from people that work for them as freelancers, former employees, business associates. And things like that. And to get some context of, of who they are, so Satine Phoenix uh, used to work at Wizards of the Coast as a community manager. Uh, she's also a streamer. And they run their business, uh, which is called... A- Apotheosis Studios. Apotheosis Studios, that's the one. Oh. And since this, Jameson has stepped down in their role as CEO uh, from this Although company. I would add that when you own a company, stepping down as CEO is really a nominal thing is you still own and control the company oh you're just no longer the chief executive officer yeah yeah yes. i mean i'm just saying the facts i have in front of me yeah, uh, sure, without sure. comment uh so i'm not going to give comment on this situation because i think if you are interested in learning more about it and understanding some of those stories if you go onto twitter and have a look on some of the hashtags there you will see people who are closely involved with this and who have had experiences with them uh share share their point mm. of view on it and i think that will be more productive mm. than me 
yeah. the me giving comment on it here and now. But this has yeah. been happening, and um, yeah, and it's and it, interestingly, it's sparked a lot of conversations about the games industry in general and how freelancers and employees can be expected to be treated and um, professionalism within the industry. Yeah. So I th- hopefully something good comes out of it that this is something people think about and consider more. Interestingly, it was sparked by something that wasn't gaming industry related because it was a tattooist uh, called Chad Rowe mm-hmm. who initially sort of levied accusations on Twitter. Yeah. And then people from the gaming industry started to add their comments after that but yeah the, the spark of it the, the, the first the first report wasn't mm-hmm. actually from within the industry it was just from a um external source but yeah but mm-hmm. um there's been so many of them now it's like every time you look at twitter there's you know more and more and more of them coming in yeah i think that's yeah. how it works with issues like this one person comes forward and says something and everyone else is yeah. like i didn't want to be the first person to say something but actually yeah. here's my experience yeah and i yeah. think because the games industry is so small, it's really difficult to talk about things that, you know, you don't want to badmouth anyone because it's such a small industry. And mm. sometimes if you've been the victim might be a too strong word or maybe not, depending on the situation. But if you've been on the receiving end of something like that, if you come out and say something, it can the backlash can go really badly on you as the mm. person that says it. And sometimes I know for me, I've had not working in publishing, to be clear, but I've worked on other projects as a freelancer for several years and there have been some things that happened that haven't felt okay, but I haven't Mm. wanted to step forward and say something about it publicly because I'm worried about the backlash that would be given on me. And as a freelancer, you don't want to be perceived as, oh, someone's difficult to work with and I don't want to risk working with them in case they say something about me. Yeah, because I think there is an absolute danger of that. If, you know, the the whistleblower type um, role Mm. generally, although it is admired by people externally generally does negatively affect the careers of the people who did do it. And Mm. that's, that is a problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So, um, a number of, uh, organizations have like canceled their relationships with, with, uh, with, with the couples. So there's D and D in a castle, Mm -hmm. which I mean, you pretty much guess what that is. They host (laughs) D and D games in a castle. And uh, they've, they've, they've dropped the pair from its lineup of celebrity DMs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Jasper's Game Day. Um, that's an organization which works to prevent suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, they have uh, dropped their association. Um, Origins Game Fair, on the other hand, mm-hmm. um, says something different. Um, they, while mm-hmm. they removed Jameson Stone from the guest list, they didn't remove Phoenix, um, saying that staff has assessed there was no immediate risk of physical harm. So I thought it was kind of odd because I don't think anyone was alleging physical physical harm was a, was a danger here. It was unless they know something that we don't. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and finally, uh, Phoenix is being sued right now. Oh goodness! Oh, by a former collaborator, uh, Ruti Rutenberg, uh, who's involved with the Maze Arcana um, streaming network that Phoenix is also involved with, um, okay. alleging um, misappropriation of a large sum of money. Oh, wow. Um, apparently, um, Satine Phoenix has actually countersued as well. So I don't really know what's going to happen there. Wow. That is... Sounds that like is a, a lot, set of events. lot yeah. of messy yeah, stuff yeah, yeah, going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that's happened. We, you know, we, I don't really want to go into it too much. We've reported the news. We've said what's happened. Yeah. I think, yeah, if you are interested, if you go onto Twitter and have a look and listen to the people that are sharing their experiences, that will be 
pretty more insightful than any speculation we could offer here. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I and, mean, you know, we don't know why either of the people involved or any no, of the, not, any of the not victims. not worked so. with them, so. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything to add to that conversation, I think, that would be mm. useful. Yeah, useful, yeah, yeah. No. Right, okay. Let's move on to happier things, shall we? Okay. All right, mm-hmm. then. Oh, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about crowdfunding for a moment. Yeah. Because, as both of you are aware, there have been some complaints about Kickstarter over the last few months, Mm -hmm. um, covering a variety of things. Um, There's the blockchain thing, which I think we've mentioned before. Yeah. There's um, the fact that Kickstarter's customer service levels aren't as great as you might hope. Well, they don't seem to be as aware, perhaps, of their customer base as you'd like them to be. Uh, And also the numerous other um, crowdfunding platforms out there tend to have very, very good sort of tools and resources for creators, which Kickstarter doesn't. But Mm. because Kickstarter has the market share, like by an order of magnitude, it's like Mm. massively dominant in that particular niche. All all this kind of doesn't matter. Kickstarter kind of maintains its uh, market share. So there's no real competition, Mm. which is forcing Kickstarter to change or adapt. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So back a kit. Yes. So Backer Kit's a company that most Kickstarter creators and backers will probably have already been involved with because mm-hmm. it's a pledge management company. Mm-hmm. That's right. And yeah. a lot of um, a lot of Kickstarter creators and backers use Backer Kit to help you know fulfil pledges, mm-hmm. and they're good at that. They yeah. do that very well. Yeah. And they also have another few services. They do marketing. They'll do Facebook ads for you. We've used mm-hmm. the ones before. And they've got a, a, a Kickstarter launch um, system, which is mm-hmm. quite cool, and yeah. they, they help get the, get you off the ground with that. So they've got they've got a whole range of stuff around Kickstarter, mm-hmm. but everything except all of the tools you could possibly need, except for the actual crowdfunding part. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> so it's, it's all the things that you you kind of want Kickstarter to have. Mm-hmm. Backerkit does it, but they don't do the actual crowdfunding part mm-hmm. okay. until now. Oh. Okay. So they they have announced crowdfunding by Backerkit, which is going to open broadly in 2023. But there is a handful of companies, including Monty Cook Games and some others, who have already signed on and uh, made an agreement to run their next crowdfunding campaign on mm-hmm. Backerkit. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like if anybody can make a dent in Kickstarter's market dominance, mm-hmm. it's them. Mm. Out of all of the potential candidates, I think because 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 part of the the problem, like we've we've tried with um, with alternative crowdfunding platforms, and we found it's hard to get traction. Yeah. Because when you're on right. Kickstarter, people go to Kickstarter. They've already got an account. They've already used it before. Literally, mm. backing you is they go to see your thing and click a button because mm. they're already logged in and everything. There's no, yeah. there's so few barriers to them doing yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. Whereas with a new platform, they go on there and they're like, right, first a, how does this new platform work? Mm. And b, oh, right, I now I have to register for it, and now I have to give it its credit card, my credit card, and I have to go through all these steps. And mm-hmm. there's like the ten percent rule. It's like every single thing you ask someone to do. Yeah. Only ten percent of people will do it, and different platforms have different pros and cons. Yeah. For instance, I've been caught out in that I backed a project to show willing. Mm-hmm. It took my money, and the project did not go ahead uh, because it did not fund. Was that Indiegogo? Mm, I think it might yeah. have been. Yeah, Indiegogo. Years back. 
Yeah, Indiegogo allows you to not have a funding goal. Yeah, that's why I haven't yeah. realised that. Um, <laughs> mm. Otherwise, probably would have been so generous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I um, thought, well, yeah, if it goes ahead, then I'll be good. But no, no, it's just like, no, we took the money. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I am never going to see anything, any return on that. Mm. Guaranteed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So going back to Backerkit, Backerkit, yes. of course... I have, an, I have a Backerkit account. I bet both of you two have Backerkit accounts and have yeah. used Backerkit before. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you end up going to a Backerkit crowdfunded campaign mm. in like 2023 or whenever it properly launches, yeah, you're going to go onto there and you'll be like, oh, well, I've already got an account. Oh, I just have to click this button. Mm. The barriers of entry won't be there. Yes, yes. Um, so I, that's why I think they've got a really strong chance of not, not necessarily rivaling Kickstarter, but being enough of a enough competition that as always competition is good for the consumer and the consumer in this case is the creators and the backers yeah mm-hmm. yeah well i mean kickstarter's basically asking acting as a middleman and they mm. take their five percent and stripe takes their five percent mm. and that's ten percent of your kickstarter money gone like that yeah, yeah. i i, 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 I imagine back kicks fees will be very similar Mm-hmm. I, I I don't know what they'll be, but I imagine. Yeah. Well, my big gripe with Kickstarter is the lack of safety tools for creators. Yeah, they're mm. really really big on sending you fairly condescending emails about from their trust and safety team mm. um, about how they seek to protect backers, mm. but they never mention yeah. how they how they want to create a safe environment for creators. And it's really yeah. easy for you to get stalkers on mm. Kickstarter who'll back your thing for a dollar and you know smear it all over the place you can't and yeah. you, you can't block people from backing you can't mm-hmm. you can't remove backers you can't do any of that stuff yeah, basic yeah. basic basic privacy safety yeah. stuff like yeah. really yeah. basic level stuff i'd love it if you could just block someone from backing your campaign like give them yeah. their money back like if they back you could say no thank you i, I don't want mm. <laughs> not today <laughs> just yeah, like yeah. you would with- your money is no good here yeah, yeah. Like you could kick someone out of your cafe, so you, your band, out. Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Patreon lets you do that. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know whether Indiegogo and the other places do, but Kickstarter definitely does not let yeah. you prevent uh, prevent someone from backing you. I mean, we talked on the podcast before about how Kickstarter not being able to, or not being willing to, or able to provide support to creators from, say, the Philippines. South America, Latin America. Well, that's another issue entirely. Yeah. yeah, but but it all sort of feeds in because it does mean that Kickstarter is less safe environment for creators from mar- marginalised groups. Mm-hmm. I gotta tell you, like, there's a lot of creators from marginalised groups out there. You go on Twitter, you see, oh, okay, cool. This is yeah. there's a lot of people making awesome stuff, and they are not feeling safe to go on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. To be fair, we don't know that Backer Kit will be any better in that respect. Absolutely not. But if you're so. listening, Backer Kit, so. and you should yeah. be, you yeah. should be listening to us. Sort that out. Mm. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, talking, talking of Kickstarter, you remember Phil Reed? Oh, on the no, show. Yeah. Um, the man who's done a million lot. Kickstarters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Great he is now on Kickstarter's yeah. new advisory council. Yeah. Oh, yes, has, that they were making, yeah. Yeah, so they've got a number of creators who, hmm. I think it's like a dozen or so, I, I can't remember how many exactly, who, and I don't know what, level of involvement they actually have yeah. but they've got an advisory council so presumably they will consult with these creators when it comes to mm. planning the future direction yeah. of kickstarter i guess mm. like hey guys maybe you should do a pyramid scheme but i do <laughs> know i do know i do know that phil reed shares a lot of the same concerns that i do so mm. 
That means yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, that 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 is back here, and I'm I'm interested, definitely interested, and I think probably you know I don't know for sure, but I think probably we'll give it a try next year. Yeah, we'll have a look and see. We're well, AM Publishing. We're very much looking at alternatives to Kickstarter because some of our supporters have said they don't want to use it, which is fair enough. Uh, like at the moment we're trying out um, Over the Next Hill on Indiegogo that's ending next mm. week that's our kind of beginning into it we are still mm. doing our Kickstarter campaigns because we've got another one launching yes. next week mm-hmm. X marks the spot so some parity themes coming in there um, but yeah I think we're in the place that we're aware that Kickstarter might have some plans they're doing and we're just trying out other things to see if there are alternatives should we need to in the future yeah yeah, and but again, of, with that yeah. with that whole Kickstarter dominance, we can't afford to leave Kickstarter. No, or, and I mean, or, if you look at the Indiegogo campaign we have now, um, it's done like a 15th of what <laughs> these campaigns would normally do. Well, a 15th of what one of the low ones does, like yeah. a 45th of what a good one did. Yeah, I know? mean, yes. So, yeah, so, it's, so. It's, not, it's not a viable financial option for us at the yeah, moment. Yeah, but no, I mean, literally, leaving... Yeah. Well, yeah. leaving, leaving Kickstarter is literally okay. Which ninety percent of our of the people who work for us are we going to tell haven't got work now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's is what that would involve. We can't do that. Yeah, yeah that's so, not something we want to do. But if yeah. we start trying other things now, we can maybe build an audience on there because we've been building. I say we, Russ, <laughs> has been building <laughs> an audience on Kickstarter for like how many years now? Like fifteen. Since they launched, whenever that yeah. was. Yeah, and so obviously it's it's unfair to go to another platform and expect it to be the same because we've mm. not. Like for example, on Indiegogo, we're not as known by that community there, so it's um, mm. so. But we're kind of starting that process, so we can can build to that if we need to. Yeah, yeah. It's it is it is a long game, mm-hmm. really. It's not a yeah. an overnight thing. Yeah, yeah. I just think of it as diversification. Yeah. Just make, making sure you're in different different places, so mm-hmm. that you can and so you can react if you need to later. Like if one of these platforms really does do something really really awful. Mm-hmm. you're in a position where you can actually leave it without completely destroying your business. Yeah. Ooh. Which is, yeah, it's, it's which always is not good. something, it's not a position anyone wants to be in to have to make that decision. <laughs> yeah. <No>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Okay. So Diana Jones. Yes. Oh yeah. The so awards. the Diana Jones awards. So Diana Jones, of course, being Indiana Jones. Yes. The, uh, the, Last copy of the Indiana Jones RPG was burnt, and what was left, all they could see was the words Diana Jones, and that got put in that Perspex Pyramid for the Diana Jones Award statuette thing. Did they lose it? And then that got lost. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like last year or two years ago Uh, or something. October 2021 is when missing and has not yet been found. (laughs) Your trophy's in the mail, mate. It's in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, they, have, they have this situation where there's one trophy and it gets mailed on to the next winner each year. Mm. And during one of those transitions, it got lost in the post, basically. That's never being found again. No, no. no. Some, post, some, now, post, some postal worker or border or customs agent or somebody has it on their mantelpiece at home or something. Brilliant. I mean, it could be anywhere. Yeah. Probably been destroyed yeah. by now, but... Anyway, Maybe. sorry, not to be negative well, about the Diana well, Jones yeah. Award. All right, let's be positive Happy about the Diana yes. Jones Award. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd like to be, but, yeah. But whilst the physical trophy is gone, the award ceremony and the awards being given out is carrying on. Russ, mm-hmm. do you want to tell us all about it? Okay, so these are awarded every year mm-hmm. the day before Gen Con. Yep. Oh. That's Gen Con. 
Um, so um, there are four nominees, four finalists every year. Mm-hmm. Um, there's only one winner every year. It's not like, you know, the Ennies or the Origins where there's a whole suite of nominees mm-hmm. and winners. It's just, it's just the one. And, yep. it, and it can be for anything yep. as long as it's related to the industry in some way. Yeah. Like uh, previous award winners have involved have been conventions, game stores, games, people, movements, or, you know, pretty much anything can be... Was, was, was it not the concept of actual play that won that one time? The concept of actual play won and was accepted by Satine Phoenix, I believe, that year as well. Ooh. Yes. yes <laughs> representing yes. representing the, uh, the live streamers the, the of the world. The best that tabletop gaming has to offer in recent times. Yeah. Ooh. So... Which Sorry. beat out Chris Spivey and um, Harlem and Bound. Was, was that that year? Yes, that's that year. Yeah. Oh, yes, I remember that year. That yes, was, yes. Yeah, I, that I, was, I, I inscribed that my grid right, potato yeah. because I remember these things. Yeah. yeah. Chris, Chris, Chris Spivey should have a day and age. Absolutely. But, yeah. hey, anyway, so. You so, heard it here first. The nominees, <laughs> I, have no, I have no authority in this, so I'm afraid. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, we have. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yeah. The, the nominees yes. this year are. Yeah. So, across RPGC, mm-hmm. so that's a, a website which promotes oh. RPG creators from Southeast Asia. Amazing, yeah. Mm-hmm. We have Ajit George, yeah. who is an activist and game designer mm-hmm. advocating mm-hmm. for a more representative hobby games industry. Yeah, smart chat. We have Haunted West Whee. by Chris Spivey. Maybe this this will be Chris Spivey's year. Uh, yeah. Alternate history Weird West RPG from his company Darky Hugh Studios, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Mothership, which yes. is the science fiction horror RPG from Tuesday Night Games. I like that game. I it's mean, good. It's a good game. Yeah, it's not a good game. played it, but I've heard good things about it. So yeah, that I, is I, a I haven't played stellar. it. I've, I've I've seen it. I haven't played it. Stellar cast on it. Stellar. I've <sighs> played it a few times. I really enjoy it, and it was actually my other half's uh, first ever RPG experience. Mm. So yes. And did that go down well? It did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're actually very One good at role playing. They uh, were, were you yeah. cross playing as aliens? Is the question? We were not. We were. You were not crew members as on a ship. Uh, oh, I see. I like to play a robot in that one because I just, I just think it's really easy to do a creepy and, robot. And, and because you famously have white blood as well, it's just weird. Yes, it's true. Yeah, it's, it's a medical really condition, odd. Russ. Don't <laughs> yeah. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so, with those four, yeah. if you had to make the call, if it was your choice. What would you go for? Me, oh. it would be, it would be Chris Spivey. I, 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 I'd give him Diana Jones Award. Oh, that's a tricky one. I don't feel informed enough to make mm. a decision at this point. I would need to go and assess the finalists to give them a fair, fair yeah, a fair play. I, I, mean, I mean, yeah, I would probably go for Haunted West as well, but that's purely because uh, we talked about it with Chris, like in detail. We mm. uh, did we talk about Mother? No, Mothership. Mothership. We haven't talked about Into Motherlands. That's what I'm thinking of. No. I have contacted them to yeah, come on our D and D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we have we, yet we spoke to someone yeah. else about that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, we haven't spoken. I don't. We've had no. They were talking about something else because uh, Panny and his mate they did uh, Andromeda for membership. Mm. But yeah, which was quite a nice product. Yeah, I mean, I don't mm. know. It's it's a tough call. We've got horror. Uh, we've got horror. So we've got sci-fi. We've got Ajit Jaw. I don't understand why Ajit Jaw. Was there a product, Tajit? What is this award for? It's just for their activism that yeah. they're doing. They're trying to just gate, make the hobby games industry generally more diverse and representative of the people that play them. So they've done like TED Talks and they yeah, do no, no, lots no, of I, things I, like that. I, I, 
like I, I am aware of like a lot of good work they don't, which is awesome. Yeah. Which some I'm of the listeners like, may not be, but yeah, <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. Thank you for working that out. Uh, but yeah, um, I guess it's like why are all these people competing for the same award? Well, that's is it what, just that's just one award. That's what yeah. the award does. It is the the and the quote is um, they it can be anything that exemplifies the best that tabletop gaming has to offer in recent times. Yeah, so, it can be literally anything. That's yeah. where a concept can win. Mm. So, yeah. like a convention has won, games yes. have won, people have won. You know, it's and, and you know, as, as I say, a movement can win. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's interesting. I mean, I think, was it last year yeah. or the year before? Black designers in tabletop RPG won. All of them. Yeah. Oh. Was, yeah. How okay. would you share that one award though? Oh, well, I don't. I don't think they did actually <laughs> carve it. Maybe that's where it went. They carved yeah. it up. And, no. It just got posted in a chain to everyone. Like you get, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. each get yeah. like what half a day or something with it, or yeah, a yeah, number yeah, of hours. Yeah. yeah. You can sit and stroke it for a little bit and say hi. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Yeah, so there's no there's no rules about what the Diana Jones Award can or can't. Which I think is interesting because there are so many awards for products and books. Yeah. Mm. But I don't know. I don't think you see anything like this. And I guess there's there's space. Yeah, yeah. I think it's right. The only the only the only one that I thought was odd, and I agree with you, Peter, is um, the live streaming one. Just the the concept of actual play yeah. winning, which I kind of felt well, okay. Yeah. Well, technically, I guess because I've done some actual play, I. I'm a Diana Jones Award winner, would, I guess. Why would I mean, Critical Role not accept that as well, thinking about it? Because if anyone was going to be attributed to helping the games industry with actual play, I'd imagine Critical Role have a massive part in that for what they do for D&D, because I think... I don't know. I, yeah. It's just who was there at the time. I don't know. Who was standing there? <laughs> you, you can do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I have no idea. But yeah, yeah. Oh, so That's just my thoughts. <laughs> my yeah. uninformed uh, opinion. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, um, but we'll find out the you, winner on August third. Anyway, just to come back to that. Did you oh, okay, see okay. the mouthless one in person? Thankfully, no. <laughs> so this was Level Up's Archlich. What? So, so you know, Wizard of the Coast made a Vecna stat block last week. <laughs> yes, the the, the Stranger Things fans have discovered that, and yes. the D&D Stranger Things fans have also discovered that they have. They have many amusing memes have been created, mm. which are obviously a perfect medium for a podcast that's yeah. entirely in uh, audio format. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so, um, coincidentally, Paul Hughes was working on a Archlich for oh. much the same reason, because Stranger Things was on and yeah. people <laughs> like it. Uh, for Level Up, which oh. got released around about the same time, a few days after Wizard of the Ghost Beckner. Same CR. Yes. 26, but dare I say the correct CR? Um, <laughs> the correct numbers for that CR? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, are you saying that maybe Paul Hughes might know how to do CR better than people whose system it is? I just, I, all I'm saying is that Paul Hughes knows what he's doing. Yes, so I'm. Paul Hughes, that is yes, very uncomfortable. Yes, Peter, I will say that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so the mouthless one is our version of yes, an archlich, the Level Up Advanced Fifth Edition. Lich. Yes, yeah, yes. and you can find it on the Level Up website. As I said, it's CR twenty six, like the official Vecna one, but it's very different to the Vecna stat block. The mm-hmm. Wizards put out. It's a very, very different thing, um, and it's got generally really, really positive feedback. Ooh. People really, really like it. 
I mean, there are, there are some people that are complaining it's too complicated, but hey, it's advanced fifth edition. What do you expect? Mm, oh my goodness. <laughs> There's one thing that jumps out at me. It was one of its legendary resistances is when it fails a saving throw, it can choose to succeed instead. It just chooses to. Yeah. Dead yeah. Up. Legendary resistance is quite cool. What I like with yeah. what Paul Hughes has done with re- yeah. legendary resistance and stuff, there's always some kind of visible sign. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. I remember for the demi lich that was amazing. Oh, yeah. It's like yeah. the little, it's a mm-hmm. little floating skull. It's, it's like it's got gems in its forehead, and some of them yeah. will pop as it goes. Yeah, along. or yeah. like with a dragon, some of its scales will fall yeah, off. Or yeah, something. Or, and with yeah. this one, Perfect. when it uses, yeah, it it's the uh, legendary resistance. One of the protective runes disappears, so you can mm. see almost like the yeah, countdown progress. that did something yeah, you can see it's happening. which yeah. is is yeah. great for all the characters to pick up on so it's not just magic yeah. users that are like well with my magical knowledge i know that surely this you can yeah, just have yeah. like no, i i mean, have a stupid that's, that's barbarian just, be like oh that is changed. that is just the thing with paul's monster design yeah. it's just uh, yeah. it's, li- it's everyone's the little things. involved it's, it's the little things and they add up into yeah. just a better experience overall i think and well, well it's, it's really important to be fair because mm-hmm. like you know sometimes you make an attack and it's like did it not work because it's immune totally i'm wasting yeah. my time or did it not work because it's uh, defeating it so well, the, the clever thing about that is so legendary resistance is you know a, a nullifier ability mm. which mm. generally speaking aren't fun to put in a game because mm. you're just taking away someone's turn yeah. and you don't play games not to have turns That's unless boring. you're playing a blue player in magic the gathering <laughs> No, you're playing a game to make sure that other people don't have turns. (laughs) (laughs) That's entirely different. I I played red, green, and I hate blue players. They're like, hi, we're going to play a game. You're not actually going to get to do anything. You're just going to sit and watch me dance for five minutes until you die. How fun. Sorry, I have strong opinions on this. Let's go back to what we're talking about. I I, I have strong opinions on games that take away basically the player's ability to play the game as well i yeah. just think it's really bad game design i'd like the stunned abilities in rpgs i hate it's like yeah. oh you're gonna miss the next three turns or whatever oh Ooh, good I'll go, I'll go i'll go and make a cup of tea then shall i all right see you yeah. next week you know yeah. it's, it's i came here to play a game i want to play a game so this is a, yes. a, is technically a nullifying ability mm-hmm. like legendary yeah. resistance it is yes your the thing that you just did didn't work yes. but because you add those three things what you're, what, from the player's point of view, it isn't that the thing didn't work. It's they knocked off one of the three things. Yeah. So it's still it. progress. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, that, and it's the little things like that that just make a big difference. Yeah. Cause you can mm. strategize around yeah. that. You can be like, oh, we'll hit them with this thing. But haha, mm. it's only because then I can hit you with this thing afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other cool thing I like about this one is the supreme ritualist ability. Oh, yeah. So the mouthless one can cast Ooh. any spell from the wizard spell list as a ritual, even if it can't usually be cast that well. So it basically has access to every spell. Good Lord. Yes. That's a lot. That's a lot of spells. Yes. But I do like the design of it because it does keep everybody, all the different, like, kind of player characters involved in it. Mm. Mm. Which segues me nicely into what we're doing with the Dungeons Delvers Guide with Traps. Because I feel mm. that's something what? that gets everybody oh, involved in traps. Yes, <laughs> 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 you just, you just made too excited for us. I was unable to contain this. My eardrum just It is really <laughs> exciting, and the reason I'm excited yeah. is because I, because I do like kind of the the business side of the stuff at EM Publishing, and I'm on the channels where all the creative stuff happens, but I'm not. I don't. I don't do that side of it like all mm. the writers and the artists kind of make the thing and then mm. pass it to me and i'm like wonderful let's throw it into the world i do yes. the throwing into the world bit 
Um, but we did uh literally like two days ago the article on Level Up Five uh, E website and the news things came out talking all about in detail the Dungeons Delver's Guide to Traps and I spent ages reading it and got really excited about it. Mm. Um, and I I don't know if fans were like finding out at the same time as me, <laughs> but <laughs> I I love the way the solving traps works in this because usually with yes. traps in D and D like you're just like send the rogue in to deal with it. And mm. do a roll, you succeed, well done. But in the, the way it's done, there's so many different ways where everyone has the potential to spot a trap in a way and maybe fix it. It's not just send the rogue and they do their roll, great, carry on. Yeah, yeah. I think the basic approach of if you're walking along and you your passive perception isn't high enough and then you just take some damage, mm. that's not playing a game, really. That's it's just having stuff to make that's it at you. It's not tax. It's, it's not fun. Uh, when So if the approach is, hey, detecting the trap isn't the fun bit of the game, yes. let's just give that as a freebie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some clues here. You, you can figure out it's a trap. Yes. You, don't, you don't have to, you don't, you don't, it's not like dated behind a passive perception score. Mm-hmm. So you automatically mm-hmm. give some clues that there's a trap there. Yes. Let the players ask questions and poke around until they figure out what the trap is and then have them try to figure out how to circumvent that trap. Yes. It's almost like a little puzzle, opposed yeah. to just being like... This yeah. is very much like an exploration challenge. Oh, yeah. wow. Well, it is an exploration mm-hmm. challenge. So similar yeah. to Level yeah. Up Advanced 5th Edition, the system it oh, uses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, the thing that um, I'm really, really excited about is uh, Paul Hughes, in a extensive les- essay, gathered together the very best information about dungeon design. Like, you can find this information for free on the internet if you look for it. But over the course of several years, I found it in a bunch of different places. Here it is, all in one place. And then he's got the N-O-D-E-S, the nodes analysis. And that is, I think, a real game changer. Which also means that when you're designing your traps, it's much easier to do. You just lean into one of those and yeah. you're like, oh, this is automatically making yeah. my trap better. It's it's amazing. It's crazy. I, I, I love it. Yeah, I'm very excited for the Dungeon Devil Sakai coming out. Yes. And, but, but in fairness, we are not bringing it to Kickstarter until the autumn. So we do have plenty no. of time between now and no. then to talk about it. So mm. I don't feel we've got a little derailed away from talking about the rest of the news. So have yes. we, have we for today finished discussing Level Up Advanced 5th Edition things? Or yeah. do we have more I mean, No, we have not. Pretty much. <laughs> we have not finished discussing it because we have got to give a massive shout out to the amazing third-party people who are supporting it. I mean, Excellent. Obviously, listeners know that I'm a big fan of designing for it, and I've got bought out a couple of products. Uh, the key-minded listener will know about Anthony Olipio's Sugar Cream Fairy one-shot adventure, which has come out. Uh, possibly, they've heard tale of Peter Martin's Purple Martin Games Press, mm. which has released two thematic toolkits, and also the Manual Adventurer Adventurous Resources, uh, which is focused on wilderness, which is a whole pile of player options, which are far too ex- exciting to talk about. M O A R more. Ha <laughs> um, But we've also got, I think, did we mention possibly Wolfworks Press Handbook of Heritages, uh, mm-hmm. which was done by, I want to say Jessica Wolfram, but I've almost certainly got mm-hmm. their name That's wrong. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, lovely. And also, uh, Eagle Eyed Russ has found that somebody called Ravine on Itch has bought out four separate products. Agents of the Magus, the Errant Seer, the Ruin Strider, and the Spellbreaker, which are respectively Warlock, Two Rangers, and Adept Archetypes. It is so exciting. And, like, uh, welcome to the third-party development community. It's going to be awesome. 
We've got a page yes. on the tool site. Yes. And I maintain a list there of third-party products as and when I find them. Yes. There may be others out there that I don't know about. Yes. What? So if you if you have made a third-party product for yes. Level Up, Tell us. let me know mm. because we'd like yeah. to help promote it. But, yeah. you know, um, so on that list is all the ones I'm aware of. If there are more, yes. let me know. Um, and But I think I generally keep it reasonably well covered for yeah. people. But it's early days yet, yeah. but we're looking for more. It's, oh, yeah. yeah, it's easier ah, if you ah, tell us about it because then we can be sure yes. to put it on the site. And also, if yeah. you're doing a crowdfunding campaign for it, we can put it on EN World in our crowdfunding news summary for the week as well. So yeah. if you go on to enworlds.org, uh, you can, on the contact page, you can see the people you need to contact to get the information to us so we can help you promote it. Yeah, for, yeah. for crowdfunding, you want to contact Egg Embry. Yes, and it's all on, on the contact yes. page who the right person yeah. to contact us. So there's one last bit of news, yes. I think. There's two. Um, it's, oh, two, what? okay. Yeah. Ooh, two. That's exciting. That's you do, double the number. Do, That's a double the number of bits of news that I thought they were. You do the Ooh. bit of news you were going to do, and I'll do the other I wonder one. if it's one of the two. Or whether it is a third bit. Well, I don't know. Share what's on your mind, Russ. I mean, it's, it's too exciting now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was going to talk about the Paizo leadership team. Yeah, talk about that. There we go. So, that is one of the two. That is one of the two. Okay. So, um, it's, it's just a short bit, usually. So, um, Paizo has appointed two new people to its leadership team. We've got mm-hmm. Maggie Gallagher, is the new vice president of people and culture. Mm-hmm. And we've got Rai Kong, which is the Vice President of Technology. Um, see, I, I'm not, I'm not as au fait with corporate structures as maybe I should be. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know. If you're a Vice President of Technology, is there a President of Technology? Mm-hmm. How does that work? I think a uh, right. Vice President is like a corporate kind of role that's mm. just one below the CEO, and they sometimes have a lot more influence so you've got in a, the so business they've got a and maybe shares. Yeah. So there's a president. Oh, I see. So, yeah. Like, the so they've got, they got a president sort of and then a bunch of vice presidents yeah. and their department heads. Yes. 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 Yeah. Okay. Kind of gotcha. how it works. And also, sometimes when you're a vice president, you have like a stake in the company or shares or some things like that yeah. as well. It depends. Oh, right. so, so, so if we're talking Star Trek. Yes. So Maggie Gallagher is the communications officer and Ray Kong is the chief science officer. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Wow. That makes a total sense. Yeah. That analogy works way better for me. But I these, don't understand how this works. These two people... <laughs> I know how starships work. I just don't know how companies That's work. Fair. Oh, boy, isn't that true? Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> Said Jess, oh, Russ's oh, business oh, manager. <laughs> Um, <laughs> both those people were promoted from in-house so they had similar roles in those departments so it's it's like they've been promoted in-house which is nice because they'll know yeah. oh so kong was originally director of technology is now vice president of technology yeah so it's a promotion so they're probably doing similar things but just have more responsibilities and more kind of yeah. authority within the company yeah so we've got president is jim butler Publisher and Chief Creative Officer is Eric Mona, and Vice President of Sales and Operations is Mike Webb. That's the mm-hmm. that's the current leadership team over at Paizo. Exciting. Awesome. Yes. Uh, the company owner, Lisa Stevens, um, has, I think, semi-retired. So I mm-hmm. think she still dabbles and has a hand in things, but generally speaking, has semi- semi-retired. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Right. Okay. What was the other one? The other bit of news? Well, it's the D&D Play Activity Survey, which is now available. So Wizards of the Coast post their annual Dungeons and Dragons player activity survey for 2022. So they try and get as many players to complete the survey uh, to feedback on stuff you like about Dungeons and or Dragons and how you play and what you characters you like playing and things like that. What do you, what do you like about dragons? 
I like the big pointy teeth. Um, I like the fact there are, there's one on the Welsh flag. Yes, that's a it's cool a very dragon. cool like flag. Dragon. However, when you are six years old and at an international school and they say, draw your country's flag, you're like, I do not have the skills and crayons <laughs> to achieve this flag. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember I getting to my yes. teacher. The, Eng- the England flag is pretty easy. Yeah, the Welsh one. I'm like, <laughs> the Welsh one, not I'm so much. six years old. And I, yeah. I remember saying this to my teacher. I was like, I can't draw. They're like, do you not know the colours? I was like, no, the colours... Got that. I know, I know the colours. I just <laughs> can't draw dragons. I can't draw, like, an old dragon. No. But anyway, that's my favourite thing about dragons, is that they are Welsh. Mm, fair enough. Yeah. So, this survey, mm. 25 minutes it will take you to complete it. Yeah. You can do it in bits uh, and pieces. Have you, have you done it? I haven't done it. I have, have not done, done it? it. No. I pretty will. But yeah, it's just asking you about, like, what you play, what you purchase from them, like how often you play, what campaigns you mm. use, what digital tools you use. So it's just them trying to get a beat on what the community wants. And it's available in lots of different languages. They've got like English, German, Spanish, French, Italian, Japanese, mm. and, and Brazilian Portuguese. Mm. So, so yeah, so if you're, if you want to kind of like have some feedback on the way you play Dungeons and Dragons and influence kind of the future products they make and stuff they do, complete the survey. I guess. Ooh. Right. I'll be done. Is that I the think news? That is the news. That is the news. That is the main news. If you want to hear about EM publishing specific news, we did our monthly live stream just yesterday, um, which you can check out on EM publishing RPG social channels. So if you want to know more in detail about level up stuff, because I know we mentioned some things, but if you want EM publishing specific news, we do a monthly live stream every month, which I did with some of the cast Mm. of the Starcross Seaway. Okay. Uh, welcome, welcome. Uh, so do sit down. Uh, as you know, I represent the Human Resources Department. And so as a result... I'm an elf. Sorry? You said human resources. I'm an elf. Right, right. Um, well, we like to think of everybody as human. Well, that's quite offensive, actually. Look, can we get on with this? I have work to do. Absolutely. Now, I see you... Uh, Germaland... Germaland uh, Reladron. Yes. Uh, have registered a complaint here about the Dark Lich Gygoranthaxis. Gygoranthaxis. Mm-hmm. What a waste of time. Do I really have to listen to the whining of this petty wormling? That's exactly what I'm talking about. Mm-mm. Okay, and uh, h- how how do you mean? Well, it's a toxic work environment, is what it is. Uh, yeah, okay. And, um, uh, Gyron Thaxorexius, um. Gyron Thraxicus. Yes, you pathetic bag of flesh. Uh, 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 so what, what are your thoughts on this? On what? On, um, a German land, uh. German land, Uh, yes, on, on, on their concerns about the work environment. Who is this Germ, Germaland? Germalander Aladrin. Uh, this is a, a Germaland. Germaland. Germaland What? This pitiful mewling? Uh, uh, yes, uh, this is, uh, one of your employees. Curious. I didn't even know it had a name. Well, I do. Yes, and it's, a uh, Germalanderle. Germalander Aladrin. Yes, exactly. Well, what of it? What does it want? Okay, well, Germalandaladrin. Yes, uh, claims that you are contributing to a toxic work environment. Yes. Toxic work environment? 
Yes, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's about the gist of it. Yes, yes. I am Garotrexcus, sovereign of death and decay, ruler of the Ooze Empire. Of course, it's toxic. Well, that's no attitude to have. I mean, is it? Our headquarters lie upon the demi plane of noxious gases. I mean, yes, but I mean in the sewer on the demi plane of noxious gases. I mean, yes, nevertheless, I think that perhaps when you look at things... When you come to work for the very incarnation of poisonous perniciousness, what sort of environment are you expecting? Okay, um, I think we might be missing the point here. Yeah, I'm, I'm not talking about the slime in the sludge. That's only to be expected. Well, what is it then, you pointless creature? It's that! It's what? Okay, what, what I think uh, Germalanda... Uh, Germalanda Aladrin. Yes, uh, is referring to is the way you treat your employees. My what? Your employees. Us. The people who work for you. You mean my half-witted minions? Well, they're, they're, they're called employees, <laughs> not, not minions. For half a carriage, every of them, I'll call them what I like. Thank you very much. Well, that's the other thing. Our pay. What? Is half a cabbage every month not good enough you? Getting a little bit fancy now, are you? Perhaps you would like your cabbage gold-plated, your honour. That's not the point. What I'm trying to say is that the way you treat us is not acceptable. And exactly what are you going to do about it, you snivelling oaf? Oh, uh, oh no, no, this is getting a, a little entirely too confrontational. I suggest we all take a breath and calm down. I am a lich, and then there's wizards. I do not take a breath. I do not breathe. Yeah, okay, oh, it's, it's just a figure of speech, you know. Give me one reason why I shouldn't just turn both you pitiful wretches into oozing piles of slime right now. See what I mean? Name-calling, threats, poor personal hygiene. It's intolerable. Yes, um, I'm afraid that uh, Germaladolan... Germalandoladrin! Uh, uh, yes, uh, is, is correct. This type of working environment cannot be allowed to continue. There are rules against this sort of thing. Do I look? Like the type of archlich who follows rules? Honestly, I'm not sure what an archlich who follows rules looks like. I can inform you a great deal of certainty. It does not look like me. Uh, to be fair, you have always struck me as delightfully carefree when it comes to arbitrary regulations. I do like to think of myself as a bit of a maverick. And I do appreciate the lack of dress code in the workplace, and nine minutes holiday per century seems entirely reasonable. Okay, uh, hang on, uh, hang on. Uh, plus, I do like cabbage. Look, we're here to talk about the toxic work environment. Also, the lack of clowns is most gratifying. Uh, clowns? What? You know what? I withdraw my complaint. Instead... I wish to lodge a grievance against this unnecessarily bureaucratic... And boring. And boring human resources department. Shall I turn them into a pulsating amucus Yes, please. What? No! 
how about Kickstarters? Kickstarters? What's yeah. that? What's a Kickstarter? Uh, oh, it's a sort of a crowdfunding exercise in which you try and raise money in order to write games or publish games should, already written. We should try that. I, I hear it could be the next big thing. Mm-hmm. You get it here first. Hmm. Yeah, are there any Kickstarters that have caught your eye? Ooh, or um, any other crowdfunding platforms, indeed. Yes, yes, it doesn't have to be a Kickstarter. <laughs> I've been trying to save money, <laughs> so I haven't been looking. <laughs> mm. It is hard to look at Kickstarter and not spend money. It is very yes. difficult. But there is one that I've seen. Um, it's on the Ian World uh, news crowdfunding news summary. And it was the Vermin 2047 Survival Kit, a post-apocalyptic Ooh. RPG in 2047, which makes sense when you hear the name. Sounds lovely. Uh, it's on GameFound. That's crowdfunding on there, so not on Kickstarter, oh, okay. so on a different uh, platform. Um, but yeah, it's basic. It's a post-apocalyptic kind of survival horror RPG, which is mm. totally my vibe, really. I haven't looked mm. into it too much because I'm afraid I will buy it, as Peter said. <laughs> <laughs> and I've purchased a few Kickstarters last month, and when I got paid, I was like, oh, there's not much money in my bank account. What's going on? I realized it's just from the deficit of things I had purchased last month. <laughs> my poor bank account mm. is still playing catch up. Welcome to the podcast. Yay! <laughs> I know. Yeah. But yeah, so the the idea of it is that you can change your preferences that it's either life is set back to kind of a pre-industrial setting, making it hard to survive, mm-hmm. or the world's been changed in a like supernatural different ways. Um, so it offers a lot of kind of flexibility and different options. Yeah, and it uses D10 dice pools, which I always like, because my first ever role-playing game I played was like a bit of a hack of World of Darkness, which was D10. Yeah. Um, so that, it just, so that's something that stands out to me, and it looks quite cool. So who's this, who's this one from? Oh, it is this? from uh, Studio Agate, the French RPG company. Oh, yeah. Shadow yeah. of Esteban. And Fate yeah, Forge. Yeah. 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 So, oh, that is good. That is, and it that looks is good really pedigree. pretty. It does. But it's at the top. Of the page for the RPG crowdfunding news as well, so clearly it's mm. it's uh, it's on there. Mm. It, what about you, Peter? I think Anything? it's ended now. Actually, let me check. I think oh, it ends oh. today. Ends on the sixth of the sixteenth. There is no such month. Oh, it's Americans. Sixteenth of the sixth. Oh, it's Amer- closed now. So sorry, that was probably not very oh, useful no. for Kickstarter. Oh news. no! How could you tease us? I'm sorry. Awesome. It has funded, so it will be happening. Let me see if they're doing. A back a kit, back kit that you can do afterwards. I'll look at that while someone else discusses right. something else. So, Peter, have you seen any crowdfunding ca- campaigns that have like jumped out and grabbed you by the throat, screaming, baby, baby, baby? There, there, there's one that uh, definitely has done that, and I would be super stoked to go to it, and yet I know that I will not be able... Well, I know that I can back it, but it would only be purely out of the most uh, altruistic motives. It's TravelerCon USA 2022 from the 14th to the 16th of October. Mm. Um, the project ends on the 12th of July, and it's a uh, pledge to get a weekend pass with image, shirt, and pin. So if mm. you're a fan of the Traveler RPG, then it is a convention for you. I'm like, oh, I want to go. But uh, I do not think I will be going to Pennsylvania. Mm. But yes, okay. oh, it's so shiny. <laughs> yeah. I have looked on Vermin 2047, and they oh, are man. doing a backer kit. Um, yeah. oh. So that means you'll probably be able to purchase it afterwards as well. Yeah. There we go. So this is called, from Headless Hydra Press, Adventurous Agency. And what I noticed about this one is because the mm-hmm. pitch is, it's set up to accommodate missing players. Oh. It like, assumes from the start that players are going to cancel on you. 
and stuff. Oh, so, so the premise is that you've got this world where players just coming and going totally fits in the narrative. So, yes. You know, absent players are expected. So it means basically there's no pressure to show up to the game anymore, <laughs> which, um, which I'm sure makes an awesome game. But, um, so this one is on Kickstarter. It's funded. It's nearly made 20, 20 grand or so. It's got two weeks to go yet. And um, it's just a really odd kind of interesting idea. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. So there we are. Hey, so Peter, I was uh, I was walking down the road the other day and uh, I saw this bunch of really cool, good-looking people. Cool. Good lucky. That could only be our patrons. Yep. Man, I have never seen such a well-informed debonair bunch in all my life. Yeah, right. You know, why is that? I don't know. You tell me. Well, if I was forced to speculate, I guess it's because they listen to our top-secret, super-exclusive bonus episode every week. Bonus episode? What? Yeah. Each week, our patrons get an extra half hour or even more of extra content that nobody else gets to hear. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Where can they find this? Oh, it's pretty simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash morris and pledge a monthly donation. Anything from a dollar to whatever you think we're worth. Huh, I did a, uh, a scientific calculation once just to see how much we're worth. Oh, yeah. How much? Uh, you probably don't want to know. Probably for the best. Anyway, if you, if you enjoy our podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash morris and, you know, just pledge a little. That's patreon.com slash morris. And thank you so much for your support. We could do this without you. I reckon we could. So, we've got a topic of the week to discuss. And the topic of the week is running a board game cafe. And I was thinking, who on earth could we talk to about running a board game cafe? I mean, do we know anybody who's run a board game cafe or even well, been I, to a board cafe? I, I, I thought, I, no, we don't. We don't know no, anybody. I, so, I, I suppose we could get the people from Southampton's board game cafe. To come to oh, should we do that then? Should yeah. we give them a call? Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe you could uh, talk to them, Jess and the Ranger. <laughs> I mean, I could. Just, just sitting there patiently waiting for us to finish this bit. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the bit to end. <laughs> Have you finished yeah. yet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you're done. Uh, yeah, so I started working in the games industry by opening a board game cafe. Oh. Which, to be clear, is not a cafe that board games go to to have a cup of ca- uh, coffee. They could. If they if they're paying customers, I would serve them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know. Cheers, Russ. As- Including <laughs> Monopoly. Would you serve coffee to Monopoly? Yes. We had coffees you on would. Monopoly in there. And this was an important thing, which I'll come Sounds back and talk properly. to. All things said, <laughs> though, uh, I no longer own the board game cafe and I'm no, no longer sorry. running it. So if you're looking for advice to run a successful and profitable board game cafe, this may not be the podcast for you, uh, but I can certainly yeah. share my experiences of, of doing yeah. it. Um, but I think anyone that owns um, a, lo- a friendly local gaming store or a board game cafe will tell you, don't go into it for the profits and the money. You go into it because it's something you 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 want to do and you have a passion for it. Mm. So, yeah, where do I start? Mm. Where do I start? How did you start? How did you get into it? Great. What, okay. What were you doing before yes. you were in a board game cafe? And what happened that made you stop doing that thing that you were doing before the board game cafe? Mm. And do the walking cafe. Sure. Well, I did my degree in, it was a general business degree and I specialized in advertising and events management, but I did a whole module on small business entrepreneurship. 
which was basically like setting up a business in the UK and running a small business, blah, blah, blah. So all those sorts of practical things behind the scenes of that. Because I always was kind of like, I like the idea of doing that one day. That's something that appeals to me. Um, and when I left uni, I got a job and I worked in events management um, and I was working doing that. And I did lots of different events. Like I've done Mercedes-Benz sales conferences, I'm really not interested by cars, but everyone else there was. Um, <laughs> and one would one would expect. Yeah, you don't go to a Mercedes-Benz sales conference if you're not interested in cars. Yeah, I guess. but everyone was very excited about it, and we had like cars and rotating platforms. And then I worked for the RNLI, the uh, charity. So the charity sector doing that. I did wedding planning, so I've managed more than 100 weddings. So I did loads of different event stuff and things and I really enjoyed doing that but my hobby uh, was playing board games and I had a group of friends there's about 10 of us and we would meet every weekend for when I wasn't working uh, we would meet up and play games at each other's houses and it was really great and I loved the kind of the community that was growing around that and this yeah and it was about like 2014 um, I heard of a board game cafe in Toronto opening called Snakes and Lattes and they were ju- board game cafes were just starting to become a thing. Mm. And I heard about it. I was mm. like, this is amazing. I would love one near me. Where can I go? And the closest mm. one was in London. And there was a company called Drafts. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I've got to make my own. Yeah. And I was like, and also, well, not yeah. close in London either. It's like you go into London to Waterloo and it was on the other side of the city at that sort of time. Yeah. At that time it was. Yeah. Um, and I was Ooh. like, I, that sounds really cool. I'm interested in doing that because I worked in events management, like weddings and stuff. I had some hospitality kind of side experience and also very passionate about coffee so and so I was like do you know what I'm going to start running the numbers I was like no one's really doing this yet is it because it's not possible to make a profit from or is like why why is it not a thing over here because it sounds really cool uh so I did a rough business plan and ran the numbers on it and I was like ah okay it doesn't make a huge amount of money that's why lots of people aren't doing it but can you do it so you can pay your bills run stuff and have a little bit in the bank to kind of keep you going and I was like if I do this, this is what I'm going to expect from it. So I'm not going to expect to make a huge amount of money, but I will get but, to... But job satisfaction. Is exactly. And I was like, will yeah. it be enough for me to live on? And at the place I was in my life then, I didn't need a huge salary for things. I was quite fortunate because I like had already bought a house and lived there and had a partner where if it all went wrong, financially could back up. But I had yeah, very lucky like that. And I was talking to my in my gaming group of friends about it. And I was like, oh, I've been doing this business plan. I'm thinking maybe doing something like this it would be really cool and then um i was chatting like to my friends and halfway across the room mark kenobi who ended up being my business partner came across as like are you actually doing that because i'm like seriously interested if you are like really enthusiastically and i was like oh uh yeah i guess okay uh and then we started talking about it um how we would run the business and do things like that and then we spent two years uh in planning and doing market research we also saving up because we couldn't get a bank loan to run it because banks were like this won't make money and it's a risky venture and we're like <laughs> do you know what that's true uh so we needed to invest our own money in it so we needed some time to kind of raise money to to, to get it going um and we also went to different little local events like we went to indycon and wintercon and places like that and run a little board game area from our collection of games which was interesting for us because it gave us some experience of running and teaching games and doing things like that and also just getting our name out there for what we were doing so because we knew we wanted to do some crowdfunding before we opened to just help us out and get started um, which you were so successful at that when i saw you at stabcon south mm-hmm. um well before i actually started talking to you i thought coffee and dice was an existing place in bournemouth and it was awesome i should totally go there 
Imagine my surprise yeah. when you actually decided to go for crowdfunding to uh, actually get the place running. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So we, yeah, we went to StabCon South a lot and we ran a mm. little board game area in there. We ran the social games rule. And the reason I wanted to mm-hmm. open a board game cafe is be, and the reason I do kind of things I do in tabletop RPGs is because I love evangelizing and sharing games with people that don't know much about it. And a lot of people, like, haven't, haven't tried board games. And I wanted to create an environment that was very welcome, opening and friendly. Uh, for people that haven't tried it and also somewhere people could go by themselves to meet people because when I first moved Mm. to uh, Bournemouth after finishing uni I only knew my partner at the time and I didn't know anybody and games were the way that I made friends and connected with other people and found community so I was like that's what I want this space to do for people as well Mm -hmm. Uh, and in a way it worked because my current uh, gaming group I've been playing RPGs with the same campaign been running for like four or five years now. They all came from there. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah. my friend Dave was a GM who came in to run games there because uh, we were on Tabletop Games there, and all the people that are there were people that came along to play in those games and have stayed in touch afterwards, which is lovely. And there's lots of little pockets of friends in Bournemouth that are like that, that are people that met at Coffee and Dice and now carry on gaming outside of that, mm. which is really lovely. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so we, yeah. we did all that um, and we did a crowdfunding event, uh, which went really well and we generated about £10,000 and that just, and what we said before the campaign launched, our pitch was, we're opening it, this is happening anyway because we've got our own personal funds, but we would like to have some nice stuff to begin with from the day we open mm. instead of having to save it to do it. So it paid mm. for some custom gaming tables and various things like that, which you don't like need to, you know, open a board game cafe, but it just makes the experience so much better. Mm. And so we did things like that. And we, it's a really difficult pitch doing a Kickstarter when you're not giving a physical product. Cause when you're saying, mm. Hey, if you back this, I'll just send you a PDF of my game. It's like, cool. I understand that transaction. But when you're like, we will open a board game cafe if you give us money. You're like, why would I do that? Yeah. <laughs> so we had to find value and ways for people to do that. One thing we did is uh, we had a membership card, uh, whereas if you, for the whole year you came along, uh, you would get a discount on when you came in and various other perks. Mm. And so we basically said, sponsor us for £10 and you'll get your card from the day we open. So mm-hmm. that had, it was like a product for people. We also did sponsorships of tables. So you could have your name on a table. And we had some companies mm. that did that. We also had, which is a really fun idea, was a colour deed, which we had on the walls. And so it was like the colour yellow. So it's like whenever you play a board game and you want to play the, the yellow meeple, because your colour deed was your name on the wall, you always get to say, no, I'm playing yellow. So there's no dispute. It's written on the wall at Coffee and Dice. Every time you play games in here, you have ownership of that colour. And it was just a silly idea, but people really liked it. Mm. And so we did loads of stuff like that, or you could sponsor board games and things like that. Uh, and we did that and we opened. and then And then we said about having to actually open a board game cafe which you learn so many different skills there's so many legal things and we wanted to sell alcohol as well because we wanted to have like Mm. ciders and beers which we did um so we did loads of barista training uh to get Mm -hmm. up to speed with that to make sure we were really good at that uh we had to apply for an alcohol license for the venue which is a whole process and we had one person complain so we sent them a letter and invited them out to dinner to talk about their plans because they thought we were going to open like a pub or a bar down the road from them they they were like no Ah. and we were like let me tell you about it and they're like oh no you seem like very nice reasonable people i will withdraw my objection so it went through so we had to do loads of stuff like that we had to get a food license we had to register for food and hygiene because we're serving food uh we had to register with so many business stuff opening a physical location is a whole thing and everything there's just constantly money to spend on stuff and we had to get all the catering equipment in and we had the place we rented was an open shell so we had to build everything from scratch including installing light bulbs and everything and it was a whole thing but yeah it opened and it went really well 
and it was really exciting and we from the time i opened i wanted it to be community based um, and that involved the staff being treated well so we wanted to pay the real living wage uh, i didn't want to have a, what most hospitality does is they pay staff nothing you have as few people as possible to operate which is really stressful and awful for the staff but that's how you make money and i said i don't want to run it this way i want to have enough people around so they're not really stressed working but also so they have time to teach people games because if you're running around making coffee serving sandwiches you don't have time to be like hello are you looking to play side let me spend 20 minutes talking you through it so i wanted to have that in place and that level of business model is tricky because it means you're spending out a lot on your staff. But that was something mm. I didn't want to compromise on because for me, running an ethical business was really important. Yeah. And in terms of running the numbers for it, the reason we closed down is because we were making enough to kind of tick over and carry on. But once we paid all our bills and everything at the end of the month, the bank account was going down close to zero. And that was happening like mm. every month. And I was like, we're not building up a reserve, which we need to as a business, because we could yeah. have a, because we'd build up a bit throughout the rest of the year, but the summer months when it was really hot, no one mm. wanted to come and sit inside. And so our coffers mm. went down and that was happening consistently. And we're like, well, we can't yeah. really keep doing this because if something bad happens, we don't have the reserve to kind of look after our yeah, staff right. and yeah. cover it. Exactly. And yeah, then, yeah. so that's when we made the decision in January, 2019 to, to close down the business before we got in that position. So we didn't have to let anyone mm. down really. Cause I didn't want to be in the position where I said to our staff, we can't pay you or things like that. Cause that's awful. Yeah. Um, so we, so we decided to close down and do that. And then in 2020, the mm. pandemic happened. And so yes. I was like, that, that is the sort of thing that would have killed mm. us. Uh, regardless. Yep. So that is yeah. yeah. So that so that would have wiped you out if you had. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. We would have survived the furlough bit because the government would have paid off. But the part where mm. they reopened partially and you had to have limited volume, absolutely mm. wouldn't have because we depended on the yeah. weekends being completely packed and really busy and full to see us through yeah, the quiet yeah, parts yeah. of the week. Mm. And we wouldn't have been able to do that. But mm. that is a summary, a whistle stop of my experience. There you go. Mm. So what are the challenges? I mean, aside from you know the, the sort of finance and stuff what are the sort of challenges in running on a day-to-day basis a, a place like that well we one thing is it's a new concept and so you're having to explain the concept and value to customers the value proposition mm. to people as they come in we charge uh four pound per person to come in and play games and you could stay as mm-hmm. long as you like and play as many games as you like and we opened at 10 yeah. in the morning and closed at 11 p.m at night so in theory you could stay there all day if you wanted and we also had the model where you didn't have to buy food and drink you couldn't bring food and drink outside in but if you just wanted to come and play games for like three or four hours there was no obligation to buy food or drink that's fine Mm. you can just pay for your thing and we did community events for different groups where we did discounted rates or free rates for you know different people and stuff as well to come in and play but i digress but one of the issues is sometimes you get people in that haven't seen this before and they're kind of more casual players maybe they play monopoly and connect four so they're not aware that you know, lots of modern hobby board games are like 50 to 100 pounds to purchase. And they, they, mm. they don't know about that. So they're like, why on earth would I pay four pounds to come and play games? Yeah. And they, right, and right. some people that will think, which is fair enough, because some people don't see the value in that. And it was mm. fine. Some people would walk past, see that and decide not to come in. But some people would come in and argue with me about it, <laughs> which I found oh. really hard. Mm. It's difficult because you want to be nice to people because you're in customer service. Yes. And I'd always say to people, I was like, oh, that's no problem. There's, you don't need to pay. If you just want to sit in and have a coffee and enjoy the environment, you're welcome to do that. You don't have to pay that. They're like, but what if I just want to mm, play one yeah. game? And I'm like, well, if you're playing games, then you will need to pay. They're like, but it's not very good yeah. value if I play one game. I'm like, that is correct. <laughs> and I would just say, yes, that's very true. They're like, I'm yeah, only here for yeah. half an hour. And I'm like, that's, yeah, I said, it's probably not worth the value for say for half an hour. In the same way that if you go to pay for a film ticket and you only stay for half an hour, it's not very good value. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, but some people got really mad about that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's like I'm just wincing in sympathy, really. Yeah. Mm. That's, yeah. I mean, so first, it's an enabling yeah. thing. Yeah. So first of all, it is doing that. Um, one of the other barriers, um, one of the challenges is uh, making sure it's an open and welcoming environment. Because some gaming environments mm. are not. Um, like if you get in, so you have to be a kind of people moderator as well. Yes, sort of. Absolutely, we had a conversation before we opened uh, between Mark, uh, my business partner, and myself, and we're like, <laughs> I know a situation that's going to happen is we're going to have a smelly person with poor personal hygiene come in, and mm. I think we've all been at a convention or in a gaming shop or a place where there's been someone there that has such a poor level of personal hygiene that it is negatively impacting your experience and enjoyment of being there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah and i was like as the store owners it's our responsibility to deal with that to not negatively affect the rest of our customers because other customers will just end up leaving and we don't want them to do that and we're like that's a really difficult conversation to have with a person that's really hard. because you, i mean did you did you have to actually do it or? i didn't but what we agreed and we said i think if it was someone who's femme female presenting it that message might be better coming from me because i'm that and a good mark that if it was uh someone who is like kind of more masculine presenting it might be better coming from mark's message just because it just felt it was a little bit more i don't know we just agreed that we're like that's how we're going to divide that task and we said to our staff if you're ever in that situation you escalate that to us as the owners to deal with because that's a really delicate conversation to have i didn't have to have that conversation with anyone because it didn't happen but it did happen we had a customer who uh was a man who came in with had that situation and mark had to have that conversation did it uh, go well? I mean, it went okay. I think they, I mean, they're not here to talk about it, but I think they pitched as, hey, I don't know if you've just like been to the gym or had a workout or something, but just to let you know, like, mm. this is the situation here. More than, And it was somebody that came in regularly, which has made it more difficult as well, because we didn't want them to, to go and not feel uncomfortable like coming here. And we said, mm. you know, just to let you know that next time you come in, would it be okay if you just like have a shower after going? And we don't know if they've been to the gym or not, like, but with, that felt like a a way to kind of yeah, yeah, justify yeah, yeah. it. But then they were like, hey, would you mind just, just doing that? And they were like, yeah, yeah, sure, no no, no problem. And they wouldn't have any issues with that afterwards. So, but I don't know how they, they walked away and felt from it, but nothing was ever said. Yeah. it's. Yeah. I mean, maybe they had just come from the gym and they were like, oh, I, I'm really glad they noticed. I don't know. I think so. <laughs> but like, <laughs> uh, but, you know, these things happen. And also it's difficult because things like hygiene, you don't know why somebody's in that place. It's yeah, like, be, like there could be so know, many complex reasons. Rough, well, you, know, you don't know. Exactly. Do there could be so many complex reasons that I don't want to get into. Um, yeah. But anyway, and uh, yes, yeah, so that was one of the challenges as well. And just making the time to run the business whilst being in the business, because we were both trying mm. to work as many hours as we could to cut down on staffing costs and mm. just to keep it running, being open, that it meant we were so exhausted and running the business, which is a whole different thing, mm-hmm. was, was mm. really difficult. And it just, yeah. So that was. Really hard. Did you ever have to deal with anyone for like toxic behaviour or disruptive behaviour or something like that? We d- I didn't have anything that bad, and I think that's because of the vibe we put out. Like I was really because yeah. we sold alcohol. I was really braced for having to deal with that, and we did training with our staff around that. But we didn't actually mm. have anything really bad. The one thing we had mm. was two women who had a bit too much to drink and were being very merry and very loud. But they weren't, yeah. it wasn't in a negative way that was disrupting anyone. The only thing is they were then trying to flirt with one of our male staff members, uh, who was a good looking chap and sometimes got a lot of attention from people. 
at the cafe. Uh, but at that point, mm. I just sent them my back. I was like, I will deal with these customers because I don't want yeah. it mm. to escalate into them getting carried away and trying to touch you or something like that. That didn't happen. They were just being... Oh, okay. Yeah, that didn't yeah. happen, so it wasn't an issue. But I was like, right. I'm going to step in right. before this escalates to yes. something that's mm. an issue. Um, mm. And they just mm-hmm. left their numbers at the bar for, for that staff member, which <laughs> I did not pass on because okay. they were not available. <laughs> I was like, yeah, thanks, I'll do that. And I was like, no, I don't think I don't think this is what's happening. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. that was the only potentially thing. But it was a really nice community of people that came in. And we a lot of people that we had coming in were new to gaming. Like They'd played a few board games and they wanted mm. to explore lots of different games. And it's like buying a new board game is like 50 quid. It's a big investment. So for a lot of mm. people, they would spend their Saturday, they'd come down with their partner and the two of them would sit and play like, they'd be like, right, we've got this list of games we're thinking of buying. We will sit and play four or five of them and decide if we like them. So it's like a try before you buy. Yeah, and those yeah. are the people I think that got the best value out of it because they were able to see if they wanted to purchase it. And we did sell some games as well so they could then purchase it from us if they liked. Um, mm. But yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it was generally, a, a, apart from the fact that the numbers just didn't work out, yeah. was yeah. a positive, definitely a positive experience. It definitely yeah. is. I mean, I stepping away from now, I was I was so exhausted and burnt out because at one point I was working like mm. close to a hundred hour work weeks, and Whoa. yeah, it was it was absolutely wild. Right. I was working like twelve hours in twelve to fourteen hours yeah. in the cafe, physically being there um mm. seven days a week, and it was it was an awful lot. And I did that one because yeah. at one point Mark got married in our first year of opening. And which is very nice. Uh, and yes. they decided to go away on honeymoon. And I said, I'll yeah. cover it for you. But at this point, we hadn't trained our staff and our supervisors well enough to let them open and close and be there on their own. So, you had to so I did it. And we were open seven days a week. Yeah. So for 20 days, wow. I opened and closed wow. consistently. Yeah. And I was such a mess. And the team was so great. Like yeah. sometimes we had a little back office break room, which was about the size, half the, maybe the size of a Calax. Uh, grid there mm. behind me like in, right. in floor span uh with yeah. all our stock and stuff in and i would just go in there and shut the door and go to sleep on the floor sometimes so, I was so, tired. so the team said it became funny they would occasionally open the stock room to just get some more stock of like something and just lean over me asleep to try and <laughs> grab something uh, but they're really sweet actually and they the staff bought me a bunch of flowers and some chocolates at the end of it they're like you survived because oh. i think they could see i was like a woman yeah. on the edge surviving of, yeah. of coffee wow. but it was yeah, yeah. And we had such a great team there. And actually, the team is still friends. Like the other week, it was one of the team members' birthday and their partner contacted us all to come to their surprise birthday party to play games and stuff. Mm. So, yeah. yeah. So, so I guess the big question is, what would you do differently? I was about to ask that question. Gosh. That's not my question. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a tough question. Yes. I think financially, maybe making some more cost-saving kind of decisions might have been mm. to do it better. Um, cause mm-hmm. when we re-looked at the numbers to try and like fix it, cause when we knew we weren't saving enough up, mm-hmm. I, you know, it, I was, we were looking at ways to do that and it kept coming back to what are our biggest costs? Our biggest costs mm-hmm. are the rent and the venue, mm-hmm. you know, which it was kind of a reasonable average price for a unit of the size yeah. we wanted. Um, yeah. and staffing costs and they're the two mm-hmm. most expensive things and yeah. the staffing element. It was, like I said, it was something I wasn't willing to compromise on. Because if you ran the numbers that you paid the minimum wage yeah. and didn't pay them, we paid uh, more holiday. We did we did all the ethical things you should do as an employer. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. There are people that make it work. So there must be stuff yeah. people are doing. Maybe if we yeah. moved to a booking yeah. system a bit earlier, because that was used yeah. on the weekends. 
or maybe something we could have done more to bring people in midweek. That was the the mm. thing. Yeah. Events, or, or I assume you did do events. But we yeah. did, yeah, we did, yeah, yeah. we did. But I'm just wondering if there could have been more we'd done. It's really tricky. Yeah. I think that business model is really difficult to do, and it's yes. really difficult to do eth- well, even ethically. Just, even just running, even just running a a game store or be a cafe are two difficult things to do. And yeah. those, both of those types of businesses come and go constantly yes. and close down constantly. Yes. So combining the two yeah. into a new model mm. is yeah. a double, double yeah. the challenge, isn't it? I think the main thing for me, if I hadn't run the business ethically, it would still be about yeah. and going. Mm. But, and I, but I think mm. that's the general issue with capitalism is that yeah. the businesses mm. that run ethically don't tend to do so well, so they don't tend to stay around as long. And then the yeah. people that are willing to do things like that. I'm not saying any cafes that are open are doing that. Sorry, I just realized what it sounded like I was saying. I, I, no. I'm sure there's there's lots of different ways to do it. Um, but I think another thing that influenced it is because we we're in Bournemouth, mm. um, there's the beach there. So in the summer, mm. that's why our summer business was so slow. Because if you're looking yeah. for something to do for the day, if it's a really nice day, you're like, oh, we'll go for, to the beach today and we'll go to the board game cafe yeah. next month and you go to the board game cafe yeah. next month and you're like oh they are closed forever yeah. sounds like you need an outdoor gaming area uh, yeah. we petitioned for that Most- and we had issues with the council allowing us to do that that they wouldn't let us hmm. and we even had the space uh, there was a patio space yeah. out the front oh. we were not allowed to use it hmm. so oh, if we'd broken goodness. the law and used it we could have rude mm. yeah that's what i say yeah, yeah. I, I guess also there's like because Bournemouth is like uh, well, how big is Bournemouth? Like about sixty thousand in Bournemouth town area. Yeah, so sixty thousand people. It's like there's oh, probably last time I checked, it was around that. Yeah, yeah. like Southampton, you're looking at about a quarter. What's it? That's two hundred thousand or so. Yeah, yeah Southampton yeah. is bigger than Bournemouth. Yeah, and I, and I, did, I never that, got the sense it was that much problem. bigger. No, it's. Pretty, pretty big, mate. Yeah. And Portsmouth is about the same again. So uh, it's like maybe like there's a foot location. As well. Yeah, location is is, is a thing as mm. well. So mm. it's yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it can be done. And also, uh, Bournemouth population is 183,000. Oh, I was wrong. Maybe I'm thinking okay. of a specific area. But um, yeah, Bournemouth town. But yeah, okay. Yeah, but it, that's quite a lot smaller than some. It's like 60,000 difference. So mm. I'm sorry, Jessica, you were saying. Yeah, but I, I think location's a difference. I mean, I haven't done like a really hard review of it. And also, I think, mm. yeah, I th- I think maybe, oh, it's so, it's so hard to say. I think I would mm. do it better if I were to do it again because I've had that mm. experience. And there were so yeah, many yeah. things I really liked that we did. I think the environment that we created was really good. I think the communities we mm. built were, the way we managed uh, the board game it library. It sounds to me like that sort of business... Mm. Because of because of the finances, it's like if you had like a really big company that ran those sort of things as a promotional, arm, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. So so as long so the the so those um those those things could basically be, and I don't mean an advertising cost, but sort Appear. of an advertising. Well, cost. it it wasn't costing. We weren't like spiraling down. Yeah. It was just it was just no. like ticking over. Which, when it's, yeah. like you say, if mm. you have several arms of a business, you can have a branch that just ticks over. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. Cause I- yeah, and it's, and it's subsidized by other yeah. parts of the business, but yeah. it, it generates its own value in a different yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like money spent on advertising is not wasted. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, mm. so, but yeah. Mm. So yeah. that was that. Sounds like a, yeah, it sounds like an interesting, I mean, when, when you did eventually have to close it down was that was that like gutting yeah that, how did that feel yeah. oh that was the worst lowest one of the lowest times of my life thank you for asking us <laughs> uh, it was it was so awful and it was like a month of 
us having this discussion and I kept talking and I was like, I can't believe we're having this, this conversation about doing that. And, um, mm. we were both, and I think what factored is we were both exhausted and completely burnt out from just putting everything mm. into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and I mean, the, you've the, done everything you can. Yeah. And, and sometimes the thing is with so many businesses and projects, and I say this to people on, that do crowdfunding mm. as well, you do everything right and it still doesn't, yes. and it can still mm. fail. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, there's someone I know who did. I won't say who, but they did a board, a board game crowdfunding thing, and that didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, and the game is really great. Everything they did for the promotions yeah, yeah. marketing, like it was like a textbook example of how to run a good Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. it didn't work out. And sometimes, and yeah, sometimes, sometimes that just happens. Just happen, don't they? Yeah. And you can go insane picking about why. Oh yeah, yeah. He should have would have could have. Yeah. yeah, but I, yeah, I'm really proud of what Coffee and Dice was, and I think mm. the the branding and the marketing was really solid as well, and mm. yeah, and it was just a uh, really nice environment, a really nice vibe. Yeah, I, I, and I, I went there. I only managed to get once because we are quite far away, like, in fairness. But 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 Southampton is not a pleasant drive. Oh, I can take you like an hour and a half <laughs> on a nice day. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, but but we went there. It was really nice. Really liked it. Mm. It was like it was like um. It sort of had like Starbucks production values, but chosen by someone with taste. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, so it was like, oh, this is, uh, uh, maybe just like, this is exactly what a board game cafe should be like. Yeah. It's really lovely here. It's a and nice experience, yeah. If it, if it had not been 60 to 90 minutes drive away, we would have gone more often. Yeah. <laughs> so you so you met Jess before you do, you met Jess? Well, was I, did I serve you? Maybe I. I mean, sure. Who knows? <laughs> like, or bet you at Subcom, or saw you at Subcom, but like, oh, yeah. I'm unlikely to have gone over and said, oh, hey, how are you doing? And yeah, yeah. Uh, talk to you because I was doing other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, that, that is running a board game cafe. That was, yeah, Ooh. a whistle stop of it. Um, yeah. If people sometimes come to me and ask me advice, they're like, oh, because you run a board game cafe, I'm looking to do that. What, what would you recommend? And I'd say, right now, don't. Mm. <laughs> and it sounds so awful, but we are no, just that's coming that's out of a pandemic. Hos- established mm. hospitality sectors are struggling, and it's yeah, a new yeah, concept. Yeah. And if you look at, there are some companies that have a model where they franchise, and you pay mm. them X amount to have their branding and things on there, mm. and so you have to give them like an X percentage of profits. I do not know mm. how you can continue that. I don't think that's a financially viable option. I think if you mm. really want to open a board game cafe, do it yourself. And take learning from other people, but I would say now is not the time to do that because establishing hospitality places are struggling, and you yeah. at your core, the bulk of your yeah. money and business comes from hospitality. Yes. And you need to understand yeah. the the most of what your day job is is making coffees, making, coffee. making sandwiches, yeah. cleaning. You're running a cafe. You're running yeah. a cafe, yeah. and I got to say, yeah. you've got to love running a cafe because if you don't love running a cafe, you're going to be real disappointed about running a board game cafe. Mm. Um, oh well, yeah. And yeah. If you don't like talking to people, yes, then you're gonna have a straight up bad time. Yes, if talking Ooh. to people makes you nervous, if it makes you worried, if meeting new people stresses you out, this sounds like quite possibly the worst possible job you could have. And you mm. will deal with yeah. the most because it's hospitality. Anyone that works in hospitality, the bulk of your time mm. is taken up with the most unreasonable people because <laughs> the nice people just come up and be like, "Hello, can I have this, please? Thank you very much," and they go away and they live mm. their life. <laughs> and that's fine do you know yeah but that's, are, that's basically customer service yeah. isn't it and then you yeah. are left with these people that you're like I don't know why we're discussing this like what's and you just have people trying to argue with you about like the most bizarre things like yeah, someone like, came to me they're oh, like there's oh. a coffee place down the road their coffees oh. are 15p cheaper and I went okay 
And I said that because I'm like, I'm sure it is. Like, what do you... What do you want me to say? Yeah. Well, you okay. better, I believe also, you. 15p cheaper. I'm like... So it's not really like that outrageous. It's not. So yeah. were, they, were, were, were they were they trying to get you to just knock fifteen p off? The I don't know. Price of their coffee. Uh, maybe. Trying what, what, to... I'm trying to work out what their end goal was. Right, for that thank sort you of for thing. this information. Yeah, that's In why the, I said the... I was like, oh yeah, okay. Would you Would you like what, it what here? What do you value your time at? I... Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, how much do you value your time that you went down and then you came back to tell me that it was fifteen p cheaper here? Like that's going to take you what five ten minutes? So I'm like that. That for me, I'm like, nah, it's not worth my time. And then I'm having this conversation with you as well. Yeah. Wow. I think people Wild. with the price of coffees and things, because when you go to a coffee mm. coffee shop and have a, the, you're, there's a 90% profit margin on coffees. And you think, wow, yes. that's so expensive. But it's like, yeah, but you're not paying for that product. You're paying for the well, environment, yeah. for the lights to be on. You're paying for the service. For the service, yeah. for somebody yeah. to make that for you, yeah. somebody to wash it up for you. All of these things, mm. that's what you're paying for. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And it really needs to be 90% because, you know. Minimum, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, like, everything got to come out of that. Yeah. Lights, cap, uh, rates, rates for the business, the staff, everything. Uh, yeah. And all those, everything like that. Yeah. And So the other, the other important question, of course, is yeah. at Coffee and Dice, mm-hmm. what was the dog policy? We, we couldn't have dogs in the building <gasps> for food what? and hygiene reasons. Oh, because no. Because we had an open kitchen. And the right, rules are right. having dogs in areas where food is prepared is they cannot be in the same room that food is prepared. And because we had an open kitchen and just like a barrier, it meant that mm-hmm. we couldn't. Which is why we really wanted to have yeah. the outdoor space patio because then, yeah, bring your dog, no worries. But yeah. we, because of like they said... Well, I want to... I think you should open one for dogs and they can bring their humans if their humans are well behaved. The issue, yeah. I mean, I dog, love... Dog, dogs and dice. There you go. <laughs> dogs uh, and well, dice. Well, there, there are cat cafes. They are very much a thing yeah. where you can go. But they have the the hygiene around that. They have such strict rules. Like the one in Bournemouth, yeah. I know, they have members of staff that have like a certain colour t-shirt and means they only interact with the cats and yes. do them mm. no food and there are people with other colours that they do not touch or interact with the cats and they only touch food so there's a complete separation mm. and yeah mm. no that's that's actually a really good idea because like yeah. I, I mean I, I'm very fond of both cafes and cats yeah but I do not want cat hair in my cafe food. Exactly. I don't want cat hair in any of my food. Yeah, Let me be that's honest. Fair. <laughs> I, I, yeah, and I think board game cafes as well, because you've got to think about the customer base, because I think mm. most people, when they open board game cafes, they're like gamers. They love their games. The majority mm. of your customers will not be those people. We had so many people that came in and wanted mm. to play Monopoly. Mm. I cannot tell you, which for me, I'm like, that's a poor use of your money to come to a board game cafe and just play Monopoly. Uh, but that's uh, what they wanted to do. And so, Monopoly's got its mm, good points. Yes. Yeah. But then, off, off uh, playing a board game isn't yeah. so much about the game, it's about the people you're with, and the game is just facilitating exactly. that. So, if mm. it's just a game that you know how to play, like Monopoly, yeah. the important thing is you're sitting there having a yeah. chat with your friends, and this thing's just in 100%. The And I was so strict with my staff that we didn't have any board game snobbery. We didn't have mm. that. We didn't say, oh, well, you want to play this? Like, and if people ask for recommendations, we would happily give them. And if I'm like, I'd always be like, oh, what have you played before? And if someone's like, I've only really played Monopoly, that's good to know because mm. that gives me a baseline to know where to d- direct you to go next. Yeah, yeah. I know where to pitch that. But if somebody came in, they're perfectly happy picking their own games and they just wanted to play those kind of games, I'm like, let them do that because they're having fun. We're not going to sit here and be mm. like, you're having fun incorrectly. Um, like, <laughs> you know, that's... And I wanted it to have that welcoming vibe because, you know, the first time someone comes in, maybe they do just play those games they know, but if they look around and see other stuff, it makes them ask questions 
and it mm. and i really didn't want it to be because some gaming environments are very snobby and have Ooh. you feel like you walk in and if you don't know everything you can't play and you get that with tabletop rpgs so many people mm. are scared to go and play a game because they're like i don't know all the rules i don't know how it works and they just don't play games mm. so and i think role-playing clubs do try and do their part of welcoming people in and that's what board mm-hmm. game cafes are to board games i think it's a place to welcome yeah. you in and be like it's okay you don't need to know anything it's an open welcoming space and i think that that goes mm-hmm. to the attitude of your staff but it's also the the design um and the branding of the place because if it looks like super geeky mm-hmm. nerd stuff and it's got like dragons and everything everywhere somebody that's not involved in that will look at it and go oh it's not for me which is why mm-hmm. we had a very neutral vibe like you say kind of it just looked it like a, really it felt like a classy yeah. barista kind yeah. of place, and so some people, well. some yeah, some people <laughs> came in to just use it as I a coffee yeah. shop. I think that that kind of mm. thing translates pretty much to every type of business. Though, like if you're running a pub and someone comes in and asks for a lager, and you're behind the bar and you start getting snobby about why they haven't chosen a real ale, or um, I, I mean, know, people really, get snobby about cars, yeah, or but, but if you you're know, running a real ale bar. And it's like, everything's real ale. It's like, well, sorry, we don't have a Foster's is a mm. legitimate response. Oh, yeah. It's like, so- but I, I think like a board game cafe really has a lot of legs and places with board games, pubs with board games. Mm. It's got a lot of legs. So it's like, if you go into a pub and there's lots of books everywhere. Yeah. It's got a very mm. definite vibe. It says, yeah, you're welcome here. Grab a book, grab a drink, have a read. Are there, board board ga- are there many board game pubs out there as opposed to cafes? Well, ours was a cafe bar, so we served alcohol. Mm. And I'd recommend yeah. you people do because of the, A, the profit margin, and it also opens you up to evening. Mm. We were open till 11 p.m. Getting a license mm. and managing that correctly is difficult. Uh, and nobody goes to a cafe at 11 p.m., do they? Well, some people do. But if like, there was a cafe open, I'd probably give it a go. I mean, it depends. Mm. Like uh, ice cream places in Southampton yeah. do surprisingly well because it's a place where it isn't a bar that mm. you can get if you don't want to have yeah. a drink you don't want to be around people who are drinking like, actually I could go here yeah. there is ice cream we had someone <laughs> come in that was specifically doing that they were looking for places they could go and hang out in evenings with their friends yes. that weren't alcohol related and that's actually surprisingly mm. difficult to do and we did sell yes. alcohol I missed them I was like oh we do actually sell alcohol here and they're like I just won't buy any. And I'm like, yeah, that's legitimate. But yeah, and also the, when if you are looking to open a board game cafe with alcohol, I would say think mm. about your price point. And we just mm. had craft ales, things like that, yes. that were at a price point that was a little bit more. So you didn't come here to binge drink pretty much because we didn't want yeah, to yeah. deal with loads of really drunk people. We were not a Weatherspoons. No, but you're, you're, try, you're trying to go for like things that you can be proud of your price, where it's like a really nice product. Yeah. So like maybe like a maybe did you do cocktails? We didn't do or cocktails, sort of no, because we or, or yeah. like fancy drinks. But they but okay, but yeah, yeah craft ales and like all yeah. So we and they were all locally sourced and made. So it's like this is from the brewery oh, down the road, and because Dorset and Hampshire yeah. has got so many of those things, all of our food was like that mm. as well. All of mm. our food was made from places like that. Which yeah. is why when I got a review, someone yeah. saying they just got it from a box and do this, I was like, no, how dare you? First of all, how dare you? I, but you can't, <laughs> I didn't write that as the review but that's why i felt i was like oh we made so much effort into like yeah. working with different we had like a lady who had a home kitchen down the road that did all our cakes and stuff fresh to order oh. and like we had we had all this stuff to like make it really nice and like the our coffee place was literally walking distance our coffee supplier that did all our barista training and they were mm. italian and they so the beans came from italy and went to them and their warehouse mm. there and did it that way so we we worked really hard to get really good locally sourced suppliers 
because that was part mm. one of our core company values was community and that was like yeah we want to create a gaming community but this also relates to the businesses we work with how we treat our staff uh, all this stuff but yeah mm. well i think we should wrap this one up yeah. thank you very much uh, for sharing all of your hard one knowledge with us jeff you're yes, welcome it's really good right yeah um see you next week i guess Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash Morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. Clowns always make me laugh. Uh, yes, I've noticed. I think I know certain clowns into every sketch. <laughs> I've noticed that's happened, yes. <laughs> yeah, every yeah. time you break down laughing. What can I say? The unexpected clown is the funniest thing. Um, Not touching that with a 15-foot <laughs> <I don't, laughs> extendable wall. I don't think that is correct. <laughs> <laughs>